Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. But we want you to move from being a believer to a disciple to a servant to a leader. A believer gets born again, I believe. A disciple says, you know what? Jesus is my Lord. I'm actually going to live under his influence. And that's where it gets a little weird, especially for some charismatic folks, some Pentecostal folks. God told me this, and God told me that, and he told me this this week, but you can't depend on me next week because he might tell me something different. You ever known anybody? You ever been like that? Don't be like that. Just say no to flakiness. Don't be flaky Christian, amen? That's the word. But, but there is this place of genuinely living under the influence of the indwelling Spirit of Christ in a real way. And it's easier than you think. It's more natural than you think because you have actually been recreated to be that kind of being. You're not the kind of being that is detached from God, if you've said yes to Christ, where you've got to figure out how to get Him to show up into your life And if you do something wrong, he takes his hand off of you. That's not the kind of being that you are. You're the kind of being that is directly connected to the spirit of life. Amen? And that's what Mr. Crane is talking about. That's what Will is talking about. Will is talking about the discipleship. Should it be Mr. Sumter? Do we need to go there? Okay. (laughs) He's talking about the element of... Part of your maturity of you experiencing the influence of Christ in your life, and don't you want that, is communicating your faith to others. Now, I don't mean you got to go get a bullhorn and stand on the corner and shout people down. I'm not talking about the bullhorn guy. Love the bullhorn guy. Do your thing. Not necessarily talking about the guy that's going and knocking on doors. You know, if you do that, do it. Do it well. Do it in love. But really, it just looks like this. Don't hold Jesus in when you have the opportunity to communicate him. In your own home, to your friends and family, at work, at the restaurant, wherever. If that takes you to Kenya and Zimbabwe and wherever it takes you, then go. You know, watch out because when you open your mouth, it might open doors for you. And you just have to keep walking through those doors following God But, you know, I kind of want to, today I'm going to paint a picture of Jesus, and I'm not going to put a nice little bow on it and tell you exactly how you're supposed to think. But, you know, he's a masterpiece. And it's like he's this painting, that a living, breathing masterpiece that we're looking at. And, And we just see different elements of him. It's all in the context of love. It's all in the context of what he finished on our behalf and has done within us but he's a living and breathing, you know. Christianity is not, okay, I've got this doctrine down, and I've got this doctrine down, and when you're facing this, you do this, and when you're facing this, you do this, and you better not do that because you might, you know, whatever. You know, there are, there is right and wrong in terms of living this Christian life, but it's more about life and death. It's more about, am I in this moment influenced by the indwelling Spirit of Christ Or am I more influenced by in the world? Is my inner emotional world being more created by my circumstances, or is it being created by Christ's influence in me? 
Because you know what Jesus' will for you is? I mean, he prayed it. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God created it perfectly in a garden, absolutely perfect. I have no idea why he gave us control over this place. If I was God, I don't think I would have done that. But, you know, maybe there's a reason he's smarter than us. But that's the reason the world looks like it is, is because God created it in perfection, in perfection, and gave it to us and said, this is my desire, this is my will for you. If you ever wonder what the general will of God for mankind is, look in the garden and then look in heaven. Everything else in between is our fault because he gave it to us and we said we think we can do better under our own influence. So, you know, why is this happening? Why is that happening? Why does Africa look like this? And why this and why? Well, because we have made choices. We have brought sin and the product of death into the world. That's not what God wants. That's not God's will. It's not God's will that anyone perish. You know, where God lives, there is no death. There is no detachment for him. There is no suffering. There is no pain. Amen? Because you don't have any trouble believing that that's what heaven is like. But it's challenging when we start thinking about, well, but that's what he also wants for me here. Why would he want something different from you here? Anyway, that's where we get into all these different, everybody's got their own opinions on that, and that's why there's however many different denominations there are. But just sticking on this path of being a believer that's not just a believer, but a believer that is willing to say, okay, I'm not necessarily trying to understand every little teaching and do it perfectly. What I'm trying to do is continue to leave my heart impressionable before the Father. I'm trying to keep my heart in such a way where I will be led by him, where when he speaks, I go. Or when I'm in a difficult moment and he says, and I feel I need to write it down, I write it down. Because you live in the context of a relationship with God where he's speaking into your life. And it doesn't have to be strange like sister so-and-so that kind of, you know, when she prophesies, she just kind of floats up to the stage and flies up here a little bit, and she just seems to be a little bit more spiritual than all the rest of you. And she gives this wonderful thing of what God told her, and you're like, I'll never be that spiritual. Don't let that kind of stuff rob who you are in Christ. Amen? Amen? You hear God as clearly as anyone else does. The issue is, is your inner world configured in such a way where when you hear it, you say, I agree with that. And then you act accordingly, or you make a decision accordingly, or you, whatever it is. Most of you follow God more on accident than you ever try to on purpose. You do. You ever prayed for an answer, and then you feel like you didn't get an answer, but then you just went and made a decision, a decision and went on about your life? Well, what if you did this? What if you prayed, and then you were confident that you were being impressed by God, and that the next decision that you made was the decision that God led you to make, but you didn't get all twisted about it because you didn't think, I didn't hear God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but you were confident that the decision that you made was actually the one that God would lead you to make. That is actually how you make most of your decisions. 
Now you're sitting there thinking, well, you don't know some of the decisions that I made. <laughs> I, get that, I get that too, been there too. We're all there all the time. But you know what? It's like we're more conscious as a believer. We're more conscious when we purposefully make a bad decision. That's why we feel so guilty about it. You know, it's like we don't give ourselves credit for hearing God when we make good decisions, but we beat ourselves up to a pulp when we don't make a good decision. Now, I'm not saying you can just go and trust that every decision that you make is what God would lead you to do. That's not where I'm going at all. You know, there is kind of a teaching that's out there. There's all these different little factions within this new covenant awakening that's happening that says, well, if Christ lives in you, then anything you do is not sin because sin can't be in you, and so just, do, you know, live the dream. No, that's silly. Huh? Live the nightmare. <laughs> Some of you may or may not have heard that kind of teaching, but I just like to, you know, put those periods on those sentences because sometimes those, those, times, those types of teaching creep in, but, you know, no. We're not, we're not using the freedom that we have in Christ as liberty for sin, you know. So I have no idea. Let's see. We got time. Let's look at Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1, 1. Flip over there for just a minute because... You know, I just want to leave you thinking about Jesus today. I want to leave you thinking about what he's done for you, who you are in him, what kind of impact he's made in your life, what kinds of things that you would like to see him do in your life. But to get the full picture of how he operates and who he is, I just want to look at a couple of these. Amen? See, because it's all about Jesus. I'm about to preach, but let me read some of these here. Hebrews 1.1, 1, 1. in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. Side note here, remember, you're a joint heir with Christ. Amen? Well, Jesus inherited all things. That's just a little rabbit trail. Think about that. And through whom also he made the universe. All right. Now, a lot of these eternal dimension elements of Christ, we can't really wrap our head around that. We can only look at what it says about him and realize through Christ, God made everything. You know, I don't know what that means. There is a teaching out there that says because God made everything through Christ, that when Christ resurrected, everything was redeemed. Therefore, everybody's already saved. Don't worry about it. Even the fallen angels are going to be back, and we're going to be partying around the fire campfire in heaven and look over, and there's old Lucifer over there, and, you know, he's just saved. It, it gets weird because, again, and I know that some of those, you, you hear that, and most people are like, well, that's, that's obviously not right. But there are some people that will try to make grace better and better and better and try to improve on and make it sound more and more and more loving because after all a loving God wouldn't send anyone into eternity without you know it, all these humanistic ideas creep in so you know do you find it helpful I, I don't know you may or may not it may be confusing but those teachings are out there and I just want you to be aware of them so in these last so the son this is where I want to go verse 3 I was sitting out meditating, you know, meditation is just thinking. You guys all meditate. You might be meditating on what you're going to have for lunch right now. <laughs> it's meditation. When you're sitting and pondering, 
Meditation is so powerful because it's creating an inner world. It's creating your emotional inner world. It's creating your sense of how you see the world. It's creating how you see people. Meditation is affecting you inwardly, and that's where it all starts. And what you allow to dwell within you will be produced into your life. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Whatever is going on on the inside is somehow going to be reflected into your outer world. And you have the opportunity to take advantage of what you let dwell in your heart and in your mind. I'm not saying that the law of attraction kind of thing where you're putting out these vibes and attracting a you know, boat or something like that. <laughs> but we're talking about you reap what you sow. And you reap what you sow out of the condition of your heart. Why not take the time to influence your heart with truth and who Jesus is? So when you step out and you face the world and something comes at you, your inner world is so full of who Christ is that you're like Jesus when he said, you know what, the enemy comes and he's got nothing in me. Nothing the enemy can do. Nothing this world throws at me changes this peace that I have on the inside. Not because you're some spiritual giant because you've really done well for yourself, but because you are that confident in who Christ is. You know, so back to that earlier question, my confidence is your faithfulness. You ever done something crazy? (laughs) Because somebody else did it first and you believed in them? You know, you're standing there and you're looking at that thing, oh, I would never do that. (laughs) Here comes your buddy and you're like, oh, I can do that. You know, your confidence is them for that moment, right? Are you with me? Something you would never do. Somebody else does it, and because you know them and you trust them, you do it. You know, back to that question, what element of God are you confident of? Are you confident in the obedience of Christ for your salvation? Are you confident that God says, I am your provider, and you're confident in that facet of God to experience provision from him? Are you confident that he is your peace? Christianity, see, here's the problem with us humans. We want it to give us goosebumps. We want it to be this new next big revelation. And it's got to be something that I've never, you know, it's like sometimes you preach and people come up and they're like, well, I've never heard that before. I'm not concerned whether you've heard it or or not heard it before. I'm concerned with, are you actually going to take this and let it influence you so that it changes your inner world and you're yielding to the influence of Christ? Don't go to some ministry teaching or some church or some whatever because you think you're going to learn something new that you've never learned. Now, obviously, we need to learn of Christ. But Christianity is not about learning new things all the time. My question is, is it working for you? Is what you know working for you now? Amen? Amen. So here's the thing. What we do is we, end up, we, we should end up boiling it all back down to what is it that we know of Christ, specifically what he's done for me and who I am in him. Amen? I'm hearing all these different directions, so I'm trying to stay on track. But, so taking an idea like this, because if Christ is in you, and the promise of Christ is that if you abide in him and let his words 
or his life or his logic or his ways abide in you, you will produce fruit. That's, that's, the, that's the expectation of any believer. You were a dead branch laying on the ground that looked up to God and said yes to Jesus. God picks you up and, and grafts you back into himself, and that branch comes alive again and then starts being fed by the same life that's going through that tree. Do you see that picture? You know, that's how you were before you said yes to Christ. You were dead cut off, but God picks you up because you are willing to acknowledge your deadness, so to speak, and let Christ revive you, and he plugs you back into himself, and you start having the same life that's flowing through God flowing through you. You are alive because Jesus is living in you. If Jesus is not living in you, you are dead in your sin. Amen? So if we're wanting to see our lives affected, if we want to see things different in our lives, it's not about trying to figure out some kind of doctrine or how does this work with God? What's the spiritual law that I need to be working here? And, you know, it gets into all kind of strange things. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have systems and programs, but it's a matter of, am I engaged with Christ in me? Am I living from a place where I am actually influenced by God in me? And it's pretty simple. And this is just one of these ways. This was a passage that I read this week, and it just fit with everything that, that I want to go into. And I'll get there. Don't worry, we'll get there. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. This word radiance, it, it's what you'd think it is. It's the, the, the brightness, you know. You can think of it as you see the sun in the sky, but the warmth that you feel on your hand are the rays coming to you. It's like that. You know, we know God exists, but what comes to us from the Father and the warmth that we feel is Jesus. Jesus is the representation of God. You know, we, we, we think that we don't understand God, but we can look at Jesus. Let me just finish this and we'll keep going. So the sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Think about that phrase for just a minute. Jesus is the exact representation of God. Now, you know this, but those areas where you're confused about God, do you filter them through Jesus? In Jesus, everything makes sense in Scripture. Even a lot of that Old Testament stuff, a lot of those areas where we see it looks like God is cruel. All of that stuff makes sense in who Christ is. So sustaining all things by his powerful word, after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. You know, it just paints this big picture of who Jesus is. Jump over to John 5. John 5, 36. We're looking at Jesus. We're getting a big picture of him in our heart, in our mind. We're getting to the place where we want to be influenced by him, follow him because we know his voice, and it'd be easier than we think it is. And it's not just about trying to have an easy life. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about the relationship of following God is easier than you think that it is. You ever wish God would just show up and tell you what to do? He does. Every day, in every situation. I have 
This is Jesus speaking. I have testimony weightier than John. See, he's talking about John the Baptist. He's talking about, you know, what John was there for, and then he goes into his call. For the works that the Father has given me to finish. I love that. You know, when I read Scripture, I'll, you know, I think I'm going to read the entire book of John in these two days, and then I'm going to go back, and, I'm gonna, and, then I, and then I get, like, to the verse like this. The work that he gave me to finish, and the word finish, boom, it just hits me. This week it did, right? The work that he gave me to finish. All right, anyway, let's stay on track. Because <laughs> that's a whole other sermon, the finished work of Christ. Amen? What did he finish? Do you believe that he finished it? His work was to come here and be your substitute and enact and establish a new covenant and keep it secure in and of himself between him and the Father and invite you into it. That's what he finished. Amen? So, the, the very works that I'm doing testify that the Father has sent me, and the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You've never heard his voice or seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe in the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. This is a big one. We still have this going on today. Some people are like, yeah, the Spirit's here, but it's only the Bible. Let's just read the Bible, and if it's in black and white, let's pick that out, and it says what it says. And I get that. I would never invalidate the, the, the strength of the Word of God. What's the word I'm looking at? The incorruptibility. That's not the incorruptibility. What's the word? The what? Infallibility. <laughs> Infallibility. I would never question that, right? You never question the Word of God. However, is it life to you? And it's only life to you in the context of Christ living in you. So he's kind of reading these guys the riot act here, and he's like, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe on the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently. You think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. See, there's just some keys in here. Hebrews 1, he's the exact representation of who God is. Everything about God makes sense in Jesus. If there's anything that you're confused about God, go to Jesus. Jesus says all of Scripture that you're searching and trying to find eternal life and you're trying to, whatever it is that you're trying to use Scripture for, it all testifies of Him. So what is it about Him that gives you life? Of course, back it up with Scripture. Know the Bible backward and forward. Read your Bible. Read it daily. But is there life? Does it point you to the life that you have in Christ? There's a couple of keys there. If you're reading the Old Testament, realize it's the Old Testament. Did it change? Did anything about how God relates to humans change because of what happened at the cross? You know, there's just a few questions you have to know about when you're... Or, 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 filters that you have to understand when you're reading Scripture. Did the cross change, not God, but how God relates to humans because God changed humans in Christ? You see that? And even some of the teachings of Jesus, you know, cut your hand off, pluck your eyes out. The people that, that say, let's take this stuff literally, there's a bunch of people walking around with hands that say this literal stuff that shouldn't have any hands. That's just a side note. And then he ends with this, you refuse to come to me to have life. So 
what we know is you go to Christ to have life. Do you have some death in your world that you'd like life in? You know, do you have some things that just don't quite reflect God as they should? You go to Christ for this source of life. See, we have such a detached expression of Christianity in the world today that says God is up there and he's grading me and he's jotting down everything that I'm doing and he's just looking for an opportunity to remove himself from my situation and I have to stay on the right track to stay in his perfect will because if I step off and enjoy the flowers over here, I've left his will. You ever, anybody ever said if you speed, you go faster than your angels and they can't protect you? Well, we come up with some dumb stuff, don't we? No, I'm not saying speed. Matthew 11, let's look at this. We're getting just a picture of who Jesus is. Y'all good? Do we need to stand up and hokey-pokey around for a minute? I see some yawns, some sleepy eyes. I know it's a lot of information, but we're ending just with this idea of Jesus. You can live under the influence of God, and it's easier than you think. Matthew 11, this is Jesus' invitation. Come to me, all who are weary. See, when you are weary, what do you do? I know what you do. You start worrying about money. You start picking fights with the people around you. You ever do that? You feel a little stressed out, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, you, you really blew it. I'm feeling stressed. I think it might be a good idea to start a fight. You laugh because you've done it. I have too. I have too. My wife says, so have you, just so you know. Oh, by the way, happy Father's Day. Yeah. All the dads in the house. Hmm. Amen. All right. What do you do? I mean, you know, I know this is like overly simplified, but do we actually do this? Do you actually do that? When you are depressed, when you are worried, when you are afraid, where do you go? What do you do? Do you try to find a principle to apply after you've captured your mind and realized, oh, there is a God? Do you try to work some kind of plan? Or, or, or you know, and I'm not saying you don't make decisions, but do, do, you, do you genuinely look to God to develop within you what it needs to walk through this next step? In a real way. Remember, just say no to flakiness. Not always. Some of us are like finer feelings in a box of chocolate. Right. Chocolate, you know. Whatever. I have a broken chocolate in my fridge just so when I'm stressed out. You can choose Jesus. He's sweeter than chocolate. He's better than picking fights. I'll give you that one. Chocolate's better than picking fights. We'll go. That should be in the. We'll put that in verse 28b. Chocolate is better. Weary and burdened. You know, I mean, it's like I know my preaching can either be meditative for you or boring. It's like, go faster. No, I'm not going faster. I want to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to let this stuff work within you. You know what I mean? I want, you to, I want you to own this stuff. I'm not interested in just trying to teach you stuff. 
I want the world to see a group of believers, not just this church, but the entire body of Christ, living daily under the influence of God's Spirit so that the world looks at us and says, I don't know what's going on with them. I don't know about that talking snake and all those animals in that boat, but they got something that I want. Well, it's funny what we get. I'm not going to talk about Jesus because I can't explain how all those animals got in that boat. You know you've done that. You're in a situation and it's like, I don't think I can talk about Jesus because I can't explain everything ever. I've got to make... Anyway. He says, verse 29, and I'll give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke. Now, a yoke is a teaching, right? A yoke is a setting. This is a Hebraic messianic phrase here. When a messianic, uh, I mean, a uh, Hebrew rabbi would teach, he would take scripture, he would take the law, and he would bind and loose. In other words, he would interpret, and he would present his way of living out the law. That was his yoke. It was like he would take his yoke and place it on you, his teaching. How he taught something, he would put on his subjects, and they would then have to live under that yoke. Jesus says, my yoke, my teaching, my way of living, the way that I'm going to teach you to follow me is easy and light. Uh, wait, I got, I'm getting ahead of myself. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. See, and this, this really is kind of the central point in where I want to go over the next couple of weeks, learn of me, he says. Take my ways upon you. Now, this is not just, I'm going to jump in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I'm going to look at his teachings, and if he says this, then that is the, ju- that is the standard which I'm going to judge myself by. You know, I'm not necessarily talking about that. That's a part of it. But we're talking about who is Jesus? Who is he in my life? How, is it, how does what he teach relate to me now in this new covenant? Am I yielded to his influence? Do I know how to make myself impressionable before him? Do I know how to lay my own thoughts and ego aside, adopt what he says about me emotionally, and then let that be the driving force in my life? Your world would look a lot different if we could do that. So this way, the way, the yoke, the, 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 the things that Jesus would lead you into, take that on you. Learn of him. I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He won't lay anything heavy on you. I've got this whole other teaching on tests and trials and all that stuff and putting that stuff in proper perspective. If you're interested in that, email the church. We'll send you the link. Let's look at this in the message. You ever read this in the message? Are you tired? This is Jesus speaking, right? Imagine Jesus standing before you. Now, this is the message. This is a paraphrase, but I think it's a pretty accurate paraphrase. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? You ever get, you ever been burnt out on religion? Burnt out on religion. I love that. We, we should just, we should like put a billboard out on the street that says this. You tired, worn out, sick of church? <laughs> Go to Jesus, right? You can find him at Ford Church. <laughs> anyway, 
He says, come to me. Get away with me. Get away with me. We're going we're gonna to kind of just take our time through this, all right? Get away with me. Do you get away with him? Where do you get away with him? Do you try to get away with him after you've made a huge mess and then you realize, oh, wait a minute, that Jesus guy? Or is it, you know, I felt so guilty for a long time in my Christianity because I couldn't get up in the morning and do this devoted hour to Jesus. Like I heard these people, we finally found a church and we were going and everybody was talking about, get up and spend that first day in the morning. And I'm like, gosh, I start thinking about all this stuff I got to do. I want to go get stuff done and then I could, you know. And it's like I'm not putting him second. But for me, it worked where later in the day or just throughout the day, I connect. And then I realize, you know what, just keep your heart open and connect with him all day. Religion will do that to you. It'll make you think that you're doing it wrong if you don't do it at the right time of day. I mean, seriously, I'm not just trying to be funny. I want us to make this stuff a real... I want, I want us to be disciples of Christ, where we're doing what he offers. Amen? Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. Wow. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. There goes that element of... Well, it's all grace. I don't have to do anything. Okay, well, he says, work with me. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Wow. Let's go to John 16, 12. We've got two more to go through here. Keeping this picture in our mind of Jesus being with you to influence you, to lead you and guide you in all truth, just like he said his spirit would. Matthew 16, 12. I have much, so this is Jesus speaking, and this is, um, I mean, John 16, 12. This is one of the last words he says. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now, see, think about this. This is Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit and what he will do in your life when he's poured out. Now, at Pentecost, which was 50 days after um, he was arrested, uh, the spirit was poured out, the spirit's available. Now you say yes to Jesus, you get the spirit living within you. So... I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. In this moment, right now, the spirit of God is whispering or speaking or maybe even yelling and pounding at your door to lead you and guide you into truth. You know the books that say, when God is silent, or the teaching that says, you know, what to do when God says no. Or when God doesn't show up and keep his promises and you can really just be like Satan in the garden and question if God is really who he says he is. You know, when you're experiencing that, I mean, it's like weird what we do. We think that we, we, we don't understand the character of God 
the nature of who he is and how he operates with us. And so we just, we, we come up with these dumb things. God is never silent. Nope. You know, how do you stop a river of life? Does it shut itself off? No, God is always speaking. But we've been taught that it's got, you have to hear a specific way. You've got to hear like this person over here. You've got to hear like that person. Hearing looks like this. No. He's always speaking. The Holy Spirit is always leading you and guiding you into all truth. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. When do you think he does that? All the time. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Right now, in this moment, the Holy Spirit is seeking to persuade your heart to lead you and guide you into all truth, telling you things yet to come, seeking to glorify Jesus in your life, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from... That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what He will make known to you. In this moment, and this is where we're going, the Holy Spirit, as His child, is trying to make known to you what God knows. In the context of leading you and guiding you into all truth, telling you things to come, Mr. Crane, in the middle of a court case. Is that what it was, a court case? Gets, didn't know anything about it, is influenced, and, it, and, he, and he writes down exactly where God would lead him, you know? I don't think that's by accident. There's not one difficulty. There's not one problem that you're going to face that God isn't first influencing you, the truth in that matter, and leading you into such a way where Jesus will be glorified in you in it. You're never going to be in the dark. You're never at a time when you're just wandering. He's always with you. Amen? So, last verse here, John 10, 27. And I love this. John 10, 27. And this is something that I want you to think about all week long. This is your homework, right? First off, ask yourself, am I a sheep? Am I his sheep? <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> Am I, are you? I mean, are you a follower of Christ? Have you said yes to him? Now, in your mind, don't say, well, but I'm not doing a very good job. That's beside the point right now. <laughs> Have you said yes to Jesus? Do you believe that what he did was for you? And that is your salvation with the Father. If it's a yes, you're a sheep. Pretty simple. There is security in the finished work of Christ. Don't let someone come to you and say, well, you know what? I think your life should look like this, and it doesn't, so therefore, I don't think you're really a Christian. I don't think you're really saved. I wonder if you're really saved. Because I look at your life and I think this, and I'm going to make now, I'm going to make you question God's faithfulness in Christ for you. I mean, it is tragic what the body of Christ does to itself. 
See, everything has to be brought back to Jesus. Security of salvation, sufficiency of righteousness in him, all of this stuff. Amen? If you have said yes, if in your heart and in your mind you believe that what Jesus did was for you, you are secure in him. You can't earn it. You can't work your way into it. He is the one that is the sufficient sacrifice for righteousness. If you are in him, you partake of what he finished. Amen? You are his sheep. You don't have to question. Of course there should be fruit. Of course you look at your life and you think, oh, I really need to clean this part up. Of course, but that doesn't mean that God detaches you from himself and says, well, you can be a child again when you get it right. No, he loved you before you loved him. When you were a sinner, he died for you. It is him that upholds the everlasting covenant between the Father and the Son. If you are in the Son, you are in the covenant. Amen? Amen. And then this is true of you. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And it really is my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. Now, this is, so this is, this is how I want to make this practical for you. First off, hopefully, you realize, you know what? God's speaking. Maybe, maybe I'm not confident that I'm hearing. Maybe I don't know. I think I don't know what his voice sounds like. But can you at least settle this idea? God is speaking to you. The Holy Spirit is doing what Jesus said he would do. Do you trust Jesus? Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would lead and guide you into all truth. Didn't say sometimes truth, all truth. Didn't say truth for tomorrow, but not for today, all truth. Showing you what's to come. Telling you what the Father's saying. To glorify himself in you. And they're working on your behalf because they want you to glorify God in this earth. They want you to participate in what Jesus paid for you to have. Amen? So the issue is not, is God speaking? The issue not even necessarily is what is it that he's saying. The issue is your confidence to be persuaded by his spirit and then act on it. Because we let stuff in the outside world come in and affect our identity, affect our choices, affect our behaviors, affect whether or not we're picking fights and all that kind of stuff, right? So how do you become confident that you are hearing him? If he's speaking... If you're his sheep, if you do know his voice, what does that look like? Now, here's the thing. You want to know how to do that? Well, I can't teach you how to do that. (laughs) Only the Holy Spirit can teach you that. It's between you and God, amen? However, let me give you an idea. Let me give you something to think about here, all right? You already intuitively know what decision to make. Think about this. When you wake up in the morning, what if you just, first off, you just did what you know to do? Some of you have been to to doctors and they've said, well, if you do this, your life will get better. Okay, do that. Some of you have been to counselors. They said, why don't you try this? And if you try it, it might work. Try it. 
Some of you have read a scripture and it's like, boom, this thing jumps out to you. And you're like, that is the answer right there, but then you don't do anything about it. We're talking super practical being sheep and doing what God is leading us to do. Now, if you build your life on day after day after day, just making yourself open to him, making the decisions and doing what you know to do, you look back and all of a sudden God has built this life behind you in which Christ is glorified. Amen? But it looks like this. Wake up and do what you know to do. Does that make sense to you? You've got some things in your life you've got to deal with. You already know, but you're putting it off because you're either afraid or you're worried about how much it's going to cost or you're worried about what this person's going to think. Do what you know to do. Now, of course, everything must match and be in line with Scripture. We're not, God's not going to lead you in such a way that contradicts His moral code or His revealed wisdom. That's, that goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. Do what you know to do. And then, when you're doing what you know to do, keep your heart open for decisions that match the Word of God and act on that inspiration. So many times we get ideas and we... Don't do anything with it. I love what Mr. Crane said, and this is why I said he's prophesying. You know, to me, it's a confirmation that this is what God would say today because he already said it. Write it down. You're praying. You don't know what to do. A scripture comes to mind. Uh, an action comes to mind. See, this is what we do. Well, but if I do that, then that's still 27 steps away from where I need to be, so that step really doesn't need to be taken, so I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to keep worrying about it. No, take the step. Do what you know to do. Take the action. Put it in your mouth. Trust, I know God's voice. I will be led by him. I'm going to take this step. I'm going to get over myself. I'm going to quit being afraid. I'm going to quit rationalizing it away, and I'm going to move in the direction that... I feel led to move in after making myself impressionable to God. Does that make sense? Now, I'm telling you, when you begin to do this, you look back and then you just kind of notice the things that God has led you into. And he gets all the glory because you didn't even know you were moving that direction. But it's what we do. We sit paralyzed, waiting. God, speak to me. If you would just tell me to do this, I'll do it. Well... He's telling you to do this. Well, and then people would say this cute little phrase, well, he doesn't tell you everything because if you told him everything, you would blah, 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 blah. People just make that kind of stuff up. You know, don't, I mean, why we got to go there with it? What does that even matter, right? The point is, just do today what you know to do. Act on the inspiration. No matter how insignificant it seems, whether it be texting a friend or bringing your spouse flowers or going in a little bit early to work and staying a little bit late and you don't understand it, but it sets you up for promotion. You know, I don't know. God, this, this, it's the little things that make the difference. But it's those things that we believe are insignificant. And we're waiting for God to show up and build a temple in our front yard and sacrifice something and show us this is what it's looked, you know, we're waiting for the big thing. It's like, no. Your life is a series of those little things, day after day after day. God is right there with you, breathing life into you, confirming to you that you are his child, 
reaffirming to you his wisdom, reminding you of who he is, leading you into truth. You can trust him and you know his voice and you follow him better than you think that you do because you're already following him. Let your inner world be built around who Jesus is, right? This is what you want to be aware of in your mind and in your heart. And then you wake up and you choose and you move forward and you don't let yourself rationalize things away that you know is a godly thing that you may not understand. Do it. Do it anyway. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your life. Jesus, we thank you for your obedience. We trust you. Just say, I trust you. I know your voice. I will be led by you.